Everybody has a grievance story. I wonder what yours might be. Strange thing about them is, although my grievance is always directed at somebody else, it ends up killing me for a real important reason. So we come to the greatest teacher who ever lived, greatest talk ever given, and he says the good news is what's insurmountable in this universe is not your problems or what ticks you off, it's God and his presence. That cannot be defeated. And that means you, right there in your little life, can make this a golden rule day. And this involves how we deal with anger. That's the number one offender, resentment, our number one problem. So Jesus starts there. We talked last time about how he says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And he uses here a word that's uh, present tense participle. The idea is not just that you have gotten angry, but that you continue to be angry. And that anger involves, first of all, just a, a pretty innocent thing, which is a rush of energy that comes when my will is frustrated so that I can overcome the obstacle. When it's working right, it always works towards justice. I, for example, I don't like key fobs. I think they're a dumb idea. They're way too expensive. If you got to get one replaced, it's a hassle. You can just use a regular key, and it's real, real simple. If you're going to go surfing, you can't put a key fob in your wetsuit. So who made up the rule that there has to be key fobs? How come I can't just... See, I'm not really mad at anybody for that. Just a little surge of energy around that. But when I'm angry at a person, it very quickly moves to another phase where... I will the harm. I cease to will the good for the person that I'm angry at. And and then I, I choose to nurse that anger. Now, what Jesus is doing, and we'll follow this over and over, there's uh, six different areas, contrasts, where he says, you've heard that it's said by what I say to you. And he's moving from uh, an understanding of goodness that's based on external conformity. Here's the rule. I did it. I'm okay. To uh, what's going on inside me. So, um, being angry, calling somebody raka, calling somebody fool, there's no particular progression to those kind of things. They're just the kind of things that say, there's something wrong inside me. And my aim needs to be not just to avoid murder or avoid breaking rules, but to become the kind of person who would not do wrong things, even if I couldn't, become the kind of person who naturally does things that are right. And now Jesus goes on to give a couple of... uh, illustrations, just examples of what somebody who is living in the kingdom might do when they're faced with a situation that could produce anger. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. And in this, Jesus is just recognizing. In the Old Testament, God says, don't you know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And that relationships with people are what really matters. And if the heart's working right, um, that's what I will pursue. And then he goes on. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I will tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And the way that the human system works is, you're going to hurt me, I'm going to try to hurt you, you want to sue me, I'll sue you. Jesus here is not giving 
uh, a new set of laws, not saying that you can never go to court with anybody. He's saying if you do that, don't automatically assume that my goal is to win. My goal is that love should win and that I should love you and that I should will your good even if I'm going to court against you. And you go down the other road and you can see where it's going to lead. Now, in all these ways, he's aiming at the heart. So I want to say a bit more about this because this will serve us today, but into the future. There's a book by Daniel Austin Napier, and it's quite remarkable. I will not tell you how he came to uh, become familiar with Dallas Willard and how Dallas has impacted his work. He's a PhD in theology, um, but that part of this is a great story. But he has, um, I think, just brilliant stuff to say about Jesus and the heart. And again, it very much reflects the kind of things that Dallas is trying to point out about Jesus' teaching. Jesus' theory, like that of other philosophers, big point in this book is Jesus was quite intentionally what would have been thought of in the ancient world, ancient Greeks, as a philosopher who had a way of life. Focuses on a key anthropological structure or element. But Jesus' focal element, conceptually speaking, introduces something new when it enters the history of Western thought. Of course, Jesus was not a Western thinker, but his teachings have exercised vast influence on the development of Western thought. For Jesus, the central element is the human heart. And all through the Sermon on the Mount now, when he goes, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he's going to be reflecting on where goodness really rises or falls is at the core of you in your heart. Napier goes on, your heart is your attention, your present awareness, the whole range of what you are personally engaged in at any given moment. You think and plan and hope and desire and choose with your heart. And this notion of the relationship between attention, what am I engaged with? Where is my mind settled in the heart? It's just super helpful. Uh, he talks about how um, when Jesus' teachings become the enduring focus for one's attention, potentially lasting and positive change begins. Moral growth requires sustaining a broad enough range of awareness to effectively counteract the intense narrowing of focus that ordinary desires instigate as they arise from or pass through a person. Hey, that car cut me off. Hey, I didn't get enough credit for what I just did. Hey, I think you're trying to insult me. And therefore, it's okay for me to will your harm. Moral descriptions and exhortations found in Jesus' teaching, while actively attended to, produce a broadening of the perceptual horizon and allow a form of choice that's not a mere yielding to impulse. This is the seminal moment Change starts here. Now, if my attention is not being formed and shaped by Jesus' teachings and the presence of God, the kingdom, his work right here, um, uh, it tends to be a pretty weak read. And the great danger that the heart faces is what we talk about periodically in the community, the fellowship of the withered hand, and that's the tendency to ruminate. See, that's Rumination wants your heart. And anger, resentment is a place where that starts. Um, maybe C.S. Lewis's greatest novel is called Till We Have Faces. And it's based on the myth of Cupid and Psyche, written by Psyche's sister, who was not beautiful like Psyche was, and felt ill-treated by the gods. 
carried this kind of book of complaints and at the end of the novel is allowed in a courtroom setting to finally read her book of complaint. And she reads it and it goes on and on and on. And then Lewis writes this, Enough, said the judge. There was utter silence all around me, writes rule. And now for the first time, I knew what I had been doing. While I was reading, it had seemed strange to me that the reading took so long, for the book was a small one, the book of my complaints, my grievance story. Now I knew. I had been reading it over and over and over and over. I would have read from it forever if the judge had not stopped me. And the voice I read it in was strange to me. There was given to me a certainty that this at last was my real voice. Are you answered? The judge asked. Yes, I said. The complaint was the answer. When the time comes to you at which you will be forced at last to utter the speech that has lain at the center of your soul for years, which you have all that time, idiot-like, been saying over and over, you will not talk about the joy of words. And I thought about how, when I was quite young, there was something about having a grieving story, seeing myself as a victim, that I was drawn to. Um, you may know, if you tune in very often, I'm Scandinavian, and my spiritual gift is pouting, and there's something about having that kind of a grieving story that feels strong to me. And then... Over these last several years, that that grievance story got much more intense. And I could feel its desire for my heart. And there would be times when I would have a thought, somebody said something, somebody did something, and my mind would be sucked into it. Uh, and I was not even, uh, hardly even aware of it. But that kind of bitterness just wanted me. So the teachings of Jesus now give a new focal point for my heart and a new opportunity, a new way to live. This last week, I had a conversation with somebody where um, I didn't know if a conversation that good would ever happen with this person. They'd been through some things that were quite difficult, and I'd been through some things that were quite difficult. And and when we got together, there was kind of a meeting and uh just standing on holy ground together that was just a gift of grace. But rumination does not want that to happen. So the word for today is enough, enough. Just notice as you're going through the day, what's your grievance story today? Somebody mistreats you when you're driving the car. Somebody doesn't pay enough attention to you when you're in line waiting for your coffee. You have to wait too long and that's kind of irritating. Um, somebody doesn't pay appropriate deference to you in a meeting. Somebody sends you an email that's a little bit curt. Somebody in the family does something that feels to you like it's a little bit snide. Somebody doesn't serve you in a way that you wanted to, or they want you to serve them. You didn't like, whatever it is, just what's the grievance story? Is there a larger frame? Can you back up and look at it from the perspective of the kingdom of God? Now, it doesn't mean that you should never, ever be angry. Jesus, in the story about the man with the withered hand was, was angered. We're told 
when he asked the religious leaders who were there, what should I do right now? What's the right thing to do? And they refused to say anything. They, they believed that their righteousness was based on keeping a rule rather than acting in love. He was angry. But the way that he expressed his anger was um, he didn't back down to them. Uh, he didn't curse them out. He healed the man. So today, enough with the grievance story when it comes. Just take a look at it enough and keep remembering Jesus is right here. The kingdom is right here. Make it a golden rule day. You've been listening to Become New with John Orbert, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710-minute teachings on the person you're becoming, cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request, there's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.